I, um, I, I serve in Arena and I, I serve in our, in our youth department and uh, it's such a great privilege. We've just launched our Mansfield, uh, Mansfield Universal, which is phenomenal. We've got um, some incredible guys who are going to be on the ground there. And um, when you're in youth, you, uh, you definitely have a knowledge of how old you are. Like, uh, my, my, <laughs> a lot of my analogies and a lot of my, uh, you know, my stories used to be really relevant to the guys. And now I'm mentioning music and people have got no idea. Like, I, me- I mentioned Justin Timberlake the other week and all the guys are like, who's that guy? <laughs> no, one, no one knows. I'm like, oh, my word, I'm old. So... Uh, <laughs> So here we are, that was not planned, but I'm glad to be in Arena Church. Anyone glad to be here this morning? Andy alluded to last week, and uh, I'm just so glad that we get to be a part of a church that's fun, that's exciting, that's exuberant. We had three of the best rappers in England on the stage. Uh, Some people say that Brexit was because the Europeans didn't want those three guys in Europe anymore. Uh, I don't know, I don't know, you can work that one out on your own. I, um, I'm going to, Phil spoke about the feeding of the 5,000 a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to kind of carry on in John 6 this morning. But before I do that, Andy's already asked this question, but who likes to party here? Who, who likes a party? Yeah, only a few people. I thought more of us like to party than that. Yeah, we like to party, whether it be a wedding, whether it be a birthday party, we like to party, don't we? And people, I mean, when you go to a party, there are always different stereotypical party goers. And uh, you, you have the first people, this, uh, this demographic I love, you know, this is Diane, really, this one. It's the dance all night, and these people are on the dance floor from the moment you, the, the music goes on until the venue are kicking them out. These people don't care about anybody else apart from dancing. Diane, all right. The music's on, and then they're moving their feet and moving. They don't leave the dance floor unless they need a drink, and that's about it. You then go on and you have the people who love a party because they are the life and soul of a party. The people who thrive on the attention of a party. They've always got a group of people around them. They're making jokes. They're having a laugh. You've got the people who are the life and soul of the party. Then you've got the talk all-nighters. There are the talk all-nighters. And you'll find these people on the edge somewhere. They'll just be bending one person's ear all night. Uh, they'll just be there on the side having this like, really deep, serious conversation while like, the, you know, the birdie song's going on in the background. These guys like, you know, putting the world to rights. And if that person whose ear is being bent you know, is lucky enough to get away, they will just grab somebody else and bend somebody else's ear for the rest of the night. The talk all-nighters. And then the, the, the next group of people I find the hardest to deal with. These are the people who were just there for the food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, Kev says, I know what you're talking about because he's this guy. <laughs> Kev doesn't know why he's been to a party in the last five years apart from the food. <laughs> the people who were just there for the food. Now, these people are normally um, men, I will say, and they've probably been dragged to the party by the wife, and uh, they're just there, and to be honest, you will know these people because they are just waiting for those few magical words from the DJ saying, the buffet is now open. They're gone, they're straight to the buffet, they're in there, they're the first to the buffet, and they're the last to leave. You do not want to be behind these people because there'll be nothing left. Now, one thing about these guys, they must be, you know, they must be mathematicians because they use every millimeter of the planet to the greatest extent. You know these people, they're piling it high. That's what they do. Now, that really has no bearing on what I'm about to say this morning. No, I'm only joking. 
Jesus dealt with this same thing. 2,000 years ago, Jesus had this same issue where people were turning up just for the food. The title of my message this morning is this. Where else shall we go? Where else shall we go? You see, we're going to camp in John 6 this morning, and we're just going to have a bit of a whistle-stop tour of John 6. I'm going to read a few excerpts and then camp somewhere in just a second. But right at the start of John 6, we have Jesus feeding the 5,000. Unbelievable miracle. I'm not going to mention too much about that because Phil spoke so well on that last, the other week. But then at the end of John, uh, sorry, the feeding of the 5,000, we find that Jesus was that well loved that people were buying into Jesus so much that they wanted to make him king by force. Jesus was gaining momentum. There was probably not just a crowd of 5,000, but with women and children, 15, 20,000, unbelievable. Jesus doing amazing miracles. He's gaining this unbelievable following. So we, we leave the feeding of the 5,000 and they carry on until, and Jesus goes away. It says he withdraws to a lonely place. He climbed up a mountain, it says. And the disciples go on. They were going to Capernaum. The next day, they were going to go across the lake. Jesus says, look guys, I'll catch up with you pretty much. So he goes up the mountain. The guys leave because they needed to. And just casually, you know how you and I would, if you miss a boat, obviously the only, the only uh, thing to do is to walk on water to the boat that you've missed. So um, Jesus obviously did that. He walked on water. The guy's like, oh my word, it's a ghost. And Jesus is like, no guys, it's just me. And like, oh yeah, guy, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's you, Jesus. Um, we, we'll move on from that bit, Jesus does that, they get to the other side, and it's the next day. Now, we find ourselves with the crowd looking for Jesus. They go back to the same place they were at the day before, where the feeding of the 5,000 happened. Jesus wasn't there to their dismay. They were looking for him. They found out that he was going across to the other side of the lake, to Capernaum. And we find in John, uh, in John 6, verse 25, it says this, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now, just to pause, at this point, I'm thinking, guys, 10 out of 10 spirituality, well done. You were just in a meeting the the day before. They were in a meeting that long the day before that they nearly starved to death. I'm thinking, guys, this is incredible spirituality, 10 out of 10. See, Jesus has a different response. Jesus says this. He says, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus says these guys have been looking for him all over the place. And the first thing Jesus said is this, you're not bothered about my miracles. You're not bothered about my teaching. You're just here for the food. He's calling them out. He's saying, guys, look, you've got it wrong. This shows us, this gives us uh, a view of what the crowd thought about Jesus. You see, they thought he was a prophet. They thought he was a teacher, but they had got him so wrong. They didn't realize the weight of his words. The, the biggest importance to them about what Jesus had done was filling the bellies. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of heaven, the, 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 the Messiah who was to come, they missed the point and all they were bothered about really was the food. Jesus said, Jesus rebukes him and say, look guys, don't work for food that spoils and, and expires. Work for food that will fill you forever. Wow. We move on. The chapter escalates. It goes on and on. And Jesus begins to explain about what this food is, about this food uh, filling us for eternal life. And I, I think these guys are like, 
you know, if it was today, like, give me that Big Mac that fills me forever. I don't want to spend money. The guys, I think, are all thinking, yes, I'm going to save like 50 pounds a week on shopping. Jesus, give me this bread that's going to fill me forever. But Jesus is obviously talking about something else, and we find ourselves next in verse 34. Like I said, this is a whistle-stop tour. Sorry, uh, 35. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. Jesus is outlining where true fulfillment comes from in this verse. True fulfillment. I'm going to move on and we're going to come back to that in a second, but this verse continues to escalate. This chapter continues to escalate to this amazing crescendo that we'll come to in just a second, where Jesus begins to say to them that he was sent from heaven. He says, I was sent from heaven. He begins to tell them that um, the Father sent him, and this becomes hard because they didn't know who he was. Like I said, they thought he was a prophet and a teacher. This becomes hard for them to believe. They start saying things like, it's just Jesus. We've seen, we've seen Jesus grow up. We know his mom and dad. We know Mary and Joe. Like we, we spent dinner with him and Jesus was being a nightmare. Like we know. We, we know this Jesus. We know his brothers and sisters. Like we, we know who Jesus is. We've seen him grow up and he, all of a sudden he's saying that he was sent from heaven. Nah, this doesn't seem right. Jesus continues and he says, you are to, you are to uh, I am the bread of life. This becomes scandalous for them. It gets harder and harder to believe, harder and harder for people to understand. And this great crowd, this crowd of thousands and thousands of people begin to turn away. They begin to bicker between themselves. And we come finally to this this verse where we're just going to look at for a second in verse 67 of chapter 6. When I feel that this is one of Jesus' most vulnerable moments in his ministry personally. If I can just set the scene, because what we do sometimes with the Bible is we just, we just read over it and we just kind of get through it, but we have an unbelievable scene here. This following that Jesus has acquired, these people who have come to Jesus, you know, they've started to ask him questions, started to ask about him now, don't like what he's saying, and they're deserting him, they're leaving him. And as the crowd walks away, as the thousands of people are walking away this side, Jesus turns to his disciples, and I I believe this is one of his most vulnerable um, statements in the Bible. He says this to his disciples, to the 12. You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. You don't want to leave too. In this vulnerable moment, Jesus is asking the people who he's spent his life with, he's he's spent the last few years of his life sowing into, feeding into, loving, praying for, caring for, his best friends in the world. He turns to them in this moment when everybody is walking away, when he feels it, when his ministry really is at a low point, everyone's walking away. Jesus turns and says, guys, you don't want to leave too, do you? This sets us up for one of the greatest declarations in the Bible. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. A declaration. Let me read that again. Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, Simon Peter understood who Jesus was. You see, this crowd, they didn't understand. They thought he was a rabbi. They thought he was a prophet. They just thought he was a teacher. But they missed the point. Simon Peter knew Jesus. And because he knew, he could say, you are the Holy One of God. He knew Jesus. He understood Jesus. He had been around Jesus. He had been with Jesus. What he's saying is this, Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the only way. There's no other option. You are the only choice. See, what the crowd had done, they had made their choice. They had chosen a different way. They had chosen a different option. They had chosen someone else because they didn't know Jesus. And Simon Peter is nailing his colors to the mask, and he says, Jesus... You are the only way. See, we live in a world of a million options. We live in a world where we could choose to be who we want to be, do what we want to do, go where we want to go. I think you'd agree we've never had more options than we do now, have we? In terms of food, in terms of our leisure time, in terms of where we wanted to go, in terms of TV, you can see it. We have created a world where we have options. And the funny thing is, in a world of a million options, people still aren't fulfilled. People still are are looking for something. People are still looking for something more, looking for something greater, looking to fill a void in the soul. You see, in the world of a million options, Jesus is the only choice. In the world of a million options, Jesus is the only choice. We sang it today. There is no other name. There is no other name. You know, when we sing that song, it hits me straight to the heart because, again, I declare that, Jesus, there is no other name in my life. God, there's nothing greater. Money is not greater than you. My job is not greater than you. That relationship is not greater than you. Jesus, there is no other name. In the world of a million options, Jesus is the only choice. I want to ask you this morning, are you like the fickle crowd who left because they didn't know Jesus? They left for a different option. They chose a different option. Or are you like Simon Peter who decided and realized that Jesus was the only choice? You see, as a a Christian, it's easy to do this. It's easy to believe in God, to know about God, but for him not to be our only choice. It's easy to get wrapped in the way of the world. It's easy to, to run, first of all, to our bank balance. It's easy, first of all, to run to to Facebook, to Twitter, to wherever. It's easy to run, first of all, to that GP or to, to that friend even. But Jesus has to be the only choice. In the world of a million options, Jesus is the only choice. You see, Peter's not asking a question here where he says, whom else? What does he say again? He says, Lord, to whom else shall we go? To whom shall we go? He's not actually saying... Actually, guys, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, who, who, could we, who could we go to? There's that rabbi down the street. There's the other church down the road. Actually, guys, yeah, let's just have a quick meeting. Jesus, we'll be back to you in just a second. Just go. He's not saying that. He's saying, Jesus, there's no other option. We know that you are the only way. We know there's no one better. We know there's no one greater. We know that anything that we deal with, you are the only choice. Quick pause here. Where do you go when things are going bad? Where do you go when things are going well? I think this is a great indication and a great sign of what you put first. When things are going well, who do you go to first? Is it thanks God? Is it I praise you God? Or do you go to Facebook? Or do you go to 
to those friends and brag about what you've done? Or do you go to that bank account? Or do you go to the shops and spend it? When things go bad, where do you go first? Do you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you? Or again, do you go to that place of comfort in, you know, where you feel comfort, maybe in the shopping center, spending your money, maybe you go partying, maybe you go drinking? Where do you go first? In a world of a million options, Jesus is the only choice. See, the reason we have all these options is because the world is hungry and thirsty. People are looking to fill a void. People are looking to fill a void in the soul. You see, I'm not talking about physically hungry and thirsty. In the Western world, for sure, we're, we're more affluent than we've ever been before. But spiritually, the world is hungry and thirsty. As I said before, we can be anybody we want to be. We can go anywhere we want to go. But even today, in this world of a million options, people are more, are more bereft. People are, are looking more for an answer than ever before. People are looking to fill that void in the soul. See, people are trying to fill the hunger and quench the thirst with the physical. This is what Jesus is outlining when he's saying, guys, don't look for food that expires. Don't look for food that runs out. Look for food that fills to eternal life. Jesus is not talking about physical food. He's saying, look, guys, get your eyes off the physical and get your eyes onto the spiritual, which will quench your thirst forever. In John 7, we find a great parallel. Jesus stands up at the festival of the tabernacles and he said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me and drink. Jesus hasn't got a keg of Budweiser next to him. He's not got an ever-living flow of Ribena. He's talking about something else. He's talking about the soul. He's talking about this deep longing that every human being has had or does have in their soul that can only be filled by God. It can only be filled by a relationship with Jesus. See, people, as I mentioned, are trying to fill this hunger with the job. Oh, no, that job is it's gonna, it's gonna make my life right. You know, with that, with that next car. Oh, if I had that car, you don't realize how great my life would be. With that party. We have an epidemic at the moment, especially in my generation, of people just living for the weekend. Wasting five days a week or even more than that. Maybe six days for that one party at the weekend. I believe life's more than that. I believe God made me to enjoy seven days a week. I believe God made me to, uh, to enjoy every moment of my life. And I don't believe that to have fun, to, to, you know, to be an exciting guy, I need to drink. I don't believe that. See, have you ever heard anyone say, that car changed my life? I haven't. Have you heard anyone say, that party transformed me? Have you ever heard me say, those drugs made me whole? Because I haven't. See, these things temporarily satisfy and leave us empty, lost, and longing for more. You'll notice with yourselves and and with, um, with people around you that, you know, when you buy that car, it's so exciting. Or when you get that new, those new clothes, it's so exciting and you feel great for a bit. But the reality is, that wears out, doesn't it? 
that job, you know, we, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, um, I get to see this quite often, but it's funny how people are so excited about the job for the first two months. They're in early, you know, they're staying late, they're doing, doing the hours because they're so excited about this new job. And then after the first few months, most people tail off, don't they? Because they realize that actually this is not the answer to my life. We're trying to replace the spiritual with the physical. The world's hungry and thirsty with no idea how to fill their hunger or quench the thirst. No idea. Like the crowd who were looking for the physical, they were going to Jesus for the physical, they were just going to Jesus for the temporary, for the food. And Jesus is saying, guys, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for something more. I'm here for something bigger. I'm here for something greater. Let's go back to John 6, verse 35 and 36. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. The only way to satisfy our hunger is to believe and is to know Jesus. That's the only way. It isn't found in anything else. It isn't found in the physical. It isn't found in the temporary. It's found in a relationship with Jesus. You see, it's found in his body broken for you and me. See, the physical is only temporary. It temporarily satisfies. But Jesus is outlining that the only one who is eternally fulfilling is him. He's the only one. He's the only one that can fill that hunger. He's the only one who can block that need. See, I believe, and you'll have heard this before probably, but I believe there's a, there's a God-shaped hole in every single one of our hearts. I believe that we were created to be in relationship with Jesus. We we're in relationship with God. And what Jesus is saying here is this. A relationship with me will fill you forever. So you might say this morning, Josh, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't feel fulfilled. Again, if we come back to 35 and 36. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You see, you can believe in Jesus, but you, you, you cannot come to him. You can believe in him, but you might not be going to him. And I'd say this morning that believing him is great, but coming to him is better. It's the relationship You see, these people, the crowd, the fickle crowd, they knew about Jesus. They believed he was a good man. They believed he was a prophet. They believed he could work miracles. But Jesus is looking for something more than that. He's looking for a relationship with you. See, believing in him him on its own doesn't satisfy. But believing and knowing, that intimacy of relationship. You see, Simon Peter had an intimacy of a relationship with Jesus that he could stand up and say, you are the only option. You are the only way. Where else can we go? When you know Jesus like this, you realize that there is no life outside of him. There's no life outside of a relationship with Jesus. When you know him, when you've experienced him, when you've experienced his grace and his mercy, when you've experienced him save you from 
situations that seem unsavable, that situations that seem dead, when he saved you from those things, when you realize who he is in that relationship, you realize there's no other way. There's no other way. This morning, I just want to ask you, is Jesus your only option? Is Jesus your only choice? Or are you going to other places? We're just going to sing this song, The Earth Will Shake and Tremble Before. We're going to sing No Other Name. Then I'm going to come back and just conclude. But let's stand to our feet and let's worship God just as we do that. Jesus this morning, I want to give you an invitation to know him. If you feel this morning you've come in and you say, Josh, I I don't feel like I'm satisfied. I've looked everywhere. I've looked to the parties. I've looked to the drink. I've looked to the drugs. I've looked to the job. I've looked to the possessions, but I can't satisfy this hunger inside of me. I would say to you this morning, the only way is Jesus. The only option for you this morning is Jesus. Church, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just to, to give people the privacy. And this morning, if you say, I want to know Jesus. I want to understand this satisfaction. I want to know what it means to know him. If you say, I've got this hole in my life. I've got this hole in my heart. I'm not satisfied. If that's you this morning, you say, I want to know Jesus. I want to begin this relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I just ask you to lift your hand. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? 
Now I want to ask us as church, I want to say you're satisfied, church. Christians, are you satisfied? Or is your soul restless? Are you still looking for something? You, you believe in God, but you're looking for something. Is Jesus your only choice? Is Jesus the first place you go to? Or are you going to other places? Let me read this declaration from Simon Peter. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Is that your declaration this morning? Is your declaration there's no one else? Is your declaration there's no other name? Because if it is this morning, I'd say that's amazing. But if it isn't, that has to be our declaration. Our declaration has to be, Jesus, you're the only option. Jesus, you're the only way. Jesus, there's no other name apart from you. And if that's your declaration this morning, church, I want you to lift your hands. If it is or if it isn't, but you want it to be, let's lift our hands and sing this. Let's confess that there is no other name, that there is no other way. And as you do this, confess it over situations in your life. Confess it over that sickness. Confess it over that finance. Confess it over those jo- that job situation. Come on, let's begin to do that. The earth will shake. Let's sing it. <laughs> 